Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of The Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles. Hey, this is Autumn. Guess what? With the Autumn Miles Show. That's right. I'm here. Guess what? We just released this new book. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called I Am Rahab. Are you guys sick of it? Are you turning off your radios right now? You know what? We don't care. We're proud of it. Um, this this little baby, my sixth baby, because this is my second book, sixth child. I have four human children. And then I have two literary children. What am I saying, Dan? Never mind. Shut up, Autumn. Okay, let's do this. We're going to talk about some amazing stories uh, today from real people just like you and me, except they're awesome because let me tell you something, they're on my team. This book, I Am Rahab, has encapsulated our team. We Not one of us have these squeaky clean, beautiful pasts, which is why I think we all sort of connect together. We all got problems, you know? We got 99 problems over here. And, and God has really brought us through all of these crazy uh, sin stories. And even if it's not like an outward sin, that's, um, uh, being really promiscuous. Like Nikki talked about yesterday, maybe it's an internal sin of constantly being anxious when God's, when the Bible says be anxious for nothing, we all can relate to Rahab. And that's why I said, I am Rahab. Rahab was a real for Rahab. The harlot was a real foreshadowing was of what was going to happen um, with Israel and then playing the harlot with God and worshiping other idols, which is why we needed Jesus Christ. It was a forecasting of the cross. So um, I want to get right to it. I know I talked for two minutes and then said, let's get right to it. Uh, but I have two amazing members of my team, Kelsey and Kate. I have so many K's on my team that I call them all the wrong name all the time. Kelsey and Kate are on our team. Kelsey, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do for the uh, Audemars ministry? Yes, I am Kelsey. I have worked with Autumn for, I think, two and a half years now, um, which seems amazing just because it's flown by. But um, I do a little bit of everything, honestly. (laughs) Um, I do some video editing for social media. I make some photos for social media. I schedule radio guests and just do kind of a variety of different things. But everything is fun and interesting and Autumn always keeps it lively, so. <laughs> ah, that's an understatement of the century. Uh, we do have a lot of fun, though, right, Kelsey? Like, do we not laugh a lot? And we have so much fun. And I remember Kelsey actually traveled with me on a trip to Nashville, and she was like, I don't know who Willie Nelson is. And I was like, what? <laughs> How do you not know who Willie Nelson is? So I made fun of her for three days because we were in Nashville, and she didn't know who Willie Nelson is. But now she knows, right, Kelsey? I know. I know. You're totally educated on all things Willie. Um, okay, perfect. Kate, you are such a blessing to us. Why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us what you do for Autumn Ministries? I am Kate. I am the graphic design intern with Autumn So I do basically all the graphic design, and I get to design all the social media um, images that you see. I get to design merchandise and just everything in between, website design, things like that. And I'm honestly so blessed by this ministry and just 
team on this team is truly incredible, and I work with some of the best team members in the entire world. So I'm just so blessed by it. Oh, Kate, we love you so much. Let me also just add this in. This summer, she redid our whole website. And I was like, our website is rough. And she came in and she was like, you know, she beasted that thing out. And now I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. It's it's so good. Okay, so I want to get into your thoughts about I Am Rahab. Why are y'all Rahab? Why did this book resonate with you? And um, I think because what I've said the last couple of days is I think it's really important that us as a ministry team have identified with this book as well. You both have read the book. So Kelsey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to you first. Um, What part of I Am Rahab did you uh, relate to the most? Um, So honestly, I did read the book and the book as a whole is just so relatable. Uh, One of the parts that stood out to me was the part about I am not one season and just how um, every part of life is so important and, being there for it and preparing for, you know, we're always looking for the good things in life, the times whenever life seems fruitful and um, like it's going our way. We're, we're always looking for those times, but those aren't always the most important times because we have to prepare for that. So that was um, something that stood out to me. Um, but just honestly, the thing that stood out to me the most um, was just the overarching theme of Rahab's face throughout the entire thing. Mm. Um you mentioned at the beginning how, you know, several people have come on the show and shared stories of um, being, you know, sick into sin, things, you know, really having a hold on their life. And um, I think for some people, that's not relatable. I mean, personally, um, you know, I grew up in church. I was saved when I was four years old. Like, it's always been a part of my life. I've always had God in my life. Um, and so, you know, I've, I, I, can't relate to Rahab and the fact that she was a harlot and, you know, she worshiped pagan gods and all that, but there are so many parts of her stories of her story that are relatable to me. Mm. Um, and I think that, um, that is why everyone should be able to relate to her just because, um, just because you haven't had some crazy story in your past, that doesn't mean that, um, you haven't struggled with something. So, so, so Kelsey, let's talk about that just for a second, because I uh, one of I think the the um, as an author writing this book, one of the things that I think I step back and just pause on is what about those people that haven't been promiscuous? What about those people that haven't had like a, a horrible divorce in their past? Or what about those people that haven't really struggled with like, I mean, I don't know, uh, addiction or or um, something like that. I think that you bring up such a beautiful point um, that this book is for everyone. Can you tell me, uh, you talked about her faith, but what, can you tell me exactly why that was, um, you felt like you could glean a lot from the book, not having like a crazy, crazy, ugly past? Yeah. So um, specifically in the chapter, I am risk is whenever you talk a lot about um, Rahab's faith and so you look at the life of Rahab, and you look at someone who doesn't really have a history with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You Rahab, you know, didn't grow up in Sunday school and going to church, and yet she had faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that whenever I look at her life and look at how much she did risk mm-hmm. to follow the Lord, mm-hmm. why can't I risk? Mm-hmm. 
You know, why can't I say, okay, I have a God who's been faithful my entire life, Mm. who has never changed. Mm. And, you know, all I have to do is follow the little steps, the little asks that he's put in my life, and he's going to follow through. You know, he follows through, he follows through in Rahab's life, Mm. and he's going to follow through in my life as well. Mm. So I think that that was the biggest thing for me. The biggest realization is, you know, she had faith. With, base, with no basis to go off on. And I have my entire life where God has demonstrated himself over and over again. So I should be able to follow through. That I'm so glad that you brought that up, Kelsey, because sometimes those of us that don't have a crazy, crazy past, maybe, maybe our Rahab story is falling into comfort. We followed into, listen, I've done this Jesus thing my whole life and Um, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of used to all the stories and maybe they're not as zingy or as powerful as, um, as you know, they were when I first heard them or as someone that has been involved in a lot of sin and desperately needs the hope of those stories. So you're telling those people out there, they can relate because of this chapter, right? Absolutely. So one, I want to read just a little bit of the book in this chapter, I Am Risk. Um, it's on page 72. You can go pick it up anywhere books are sold. It says, I recently heard about a woman of a well-paying job who was a Christian, by the way, uh, want to know what her reason for quitting was. God told her to risk her finances and trust him. She obeyed, but right when she quit, she was bullied by her colleagues. One of them said to her, even if God did tell me to quit, I couldn't give up the money. It's too good. As I listened to the recount of the story, I got mad. A righteous anger swelled in me. Really? Are you kidding me? I immediately said, the bullying colleague bought the lie that money holds a greater reward than obedience to God. The power or temporal security of money was greater to her than God's provision on the other side of her risk. Her comfortable lifestyle blinded her to the benefit of the obedience to God. Um, I think that comfort, and one of the things I talk about is the great enemy of risk. It's interesting to me. I actually remember hearing about this story about this group of, of women um, that were having a conversation. And one of them was like, listen, I quit my job. God told me to do it. And the one that sort of argued with her said, I'm a Christian too, but even if God told me to do it, I couldn't do it because uh, the money is too good. It's, I really feel like there's a lot of this Kelsey in our, our society and our culture today. Satan knows that there is a price for our purpose. He will dangle whatever it is he can in front of us. If it's money, he'll dangle that. If it's position, he'll dangle that. If it's um, whatever it is that sort of gets you, he will put it in front of you um, in order to get you to take the bait, which will keep you from what God actually wants for you. Do you resonate with that, Kelsey? Absolutely. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm young, so my life experience is limited. However, in every single experience I've had, if you aren't risking something and stepping out in faith, then you probably aren't following what God has for you, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Because comfort is an enemy. You know, Satan is going to lie to you and tell you that if it doesn't feel good, it's not right for you. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. What God, said is, what God says is so much more important than that. 
It's so interesting to me as well that um, just Kelsey in our churches, you know, we want them to be super comfortable and we want like we want it to be 70, 68 degrees and we want the music to be just right. And God forbid if someone like the PowerPoint has a a typo in it, we'll focus on that rather than worshiping the Lord. I mean, we're sort of obsessed with the idea of make me comfortable as a Christian, Mm -hmm. make me comfortable as a believer, when really we're the ones that need to be uncomfortable as a believer um, and step out in faith and, and uh, do the things that God's asked of us. Kelsey, that was such a good uh, response. Would you response? Would you um, would you recommend this to a friend? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I said, the book has this is just one point I've picked out. But there are so many little things like this all throughout it that just challenge you. And so. Yeah, if you're looking for a life change, a challenge, something to get you out of your comfort zone, this book is definitely it. My parents read it, and I'm like, I was terrified when they read it, and then they <laughs> like they called me, and I'm I, I'm honestly glad that they didn't tell me they were reading it because I mean I could everyone could hate the book, but if my parents hate it, like I'll be destroyed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they called me, and my dad was like, "Well, that's not really um that that's not really like uh, make you feel good reading." It was like a lot of those points were really convicting. And I was like, I know, spiritually challenging the way people think, Dad. That's what we're doing. We're not about. We have a mission. That's right. We're not about making the complacent feel comfortable in their complacency. Okay. That is not the mission that God has called us to. So, Kelsey, amazing, amazing. Kate, I want to get to you, honey. Um, So, hi, Kate. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So you read the book as well. And as a member of the Autumn Miles team, um, what what would you say was one of the things that really stuck out to you in the book? Um, well, there was probably a thousand things because I I relate to Rahab probably very directly. Almost I, my story is kind of similar to Nikki's. Um, just I live that promiscuous life. I gave myself away to guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, because I didn't go to church and I didn't know anything. And um, honestly, the chapter, I'm God's inside man, I was like, wow, because it was just so encouraging to my heart because I was like, I can't be used because of my past, mm-hmm. because of that promiscuous life that I lived. It, it was too broken, too broken to be put back together. And, and, and I was at a low point of that. And so reading that chapter, it was just very encouraging to my spirit of like, I can be used. Rahab was used in a huge way. So who's to say that can't happen to me? Even though my brokenness was still there, my past was there. But when I found Jesus, it was all put back together. And it was, and he called me new and he was like, I have a mission for you. And so um, just really falling into that was, um, it was a hard season of my life. And so that, that chapter just was very encouraging as to where I am now too. Um, so it, it really did challenge me. Um, I was crying almost every chapter, (laughs) but like, just cause, just because, you know, the book is just, it just is amazing. I mean, I, I, I can't even speak higher of it. I mean, like it will encourage anyone in any season that they're in, um, any past that they've lived, like we all can relate to Rahab. So, I mean, but I, I mean, me relating to Rahab, it was direct. It was like, that was me, mm. promiscuous. I, I, I gave myself away, um, 
And when I, once I became a believer, I was like, my past is too dirty. It's too much to be used. Um, it's not, it's not good enough. I'm not like, I'm not like the perfect people who, who are virgins and who are, have not, you know, mm-hmm. um, have not given themselves away like that. And so I, I can't do anything for the kingdom. Mm. Um, but then reading about Rahab and reading about her life and just, and how, she was used in such a big way, you know. Um, so that chapter just very, very much encouraged. So me. this is actually one of my favorite chapters as well, Kate. I think um, it's something that Satan wants to blind us from. That so uh, for those for those of you that are listening that have not read the book, of course, go pick it up anywhere books are sold. Write a review when you're done. Um, but I was really obsessed with the fact that Jericho was the first city in Canaan. Um, that needed to be destroyed. And because of what they had heard about the God of Israel, they sealed everything shut, okay? Jericho was not not very big. It was only like, a, 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 oh gosh, I don't want to misquote myself. It's in the book, how big Jericho was. It, was. it wasn't a huge city, but it was a strong city and it was well supplied because it sat right next to the Jordan River. So they had they had a good water supply really, really close. Um, and they they sealed this city because of the fear of the God of Israel. So no one could go in the city. They would not permit anyone to come in because they were scared of the spies or someone from Israel getting in and destroying the city. But also no one could go out. Um, so they were scared of what would be leaked out into the land of Canaan. Um, as well, no one could go in is the whole point of the city of this uh, chapter and no one could go out. So they place, so God had to place someone on the inside and, um, uh, you know, writing this, this, uh, scripture really ministered to me, Kate, as well, because of the domestic violence that I went through, you know, um, me too, just, just happened. Church too, just happened. We were able to be a big part of that conversation, Uh, our team specifically, but domestic violence and sexual violence in the church was a tightly shut Jericho. No one was talking about it. No one was allowed to go into the church and discuss this without getting shut down really hard. And no one was allowed to come out and talk about it to the secular, secular world. And I believe, and I talk about in this chapter that God had to place me inside the church dealing with domestic violence to be able to understand that I was God's inside man for that Jericho in our church and in our, in our big C church. And that is so, um, uh, freeing for me. You know, no one can minister to a woman who's had an abortion, like a woman who's had an abortion. You are God's inside man to the community of women that have had more. I can't relate to that. That hasn't been part of my story. But if that is part of your story, rather than discounting and disqualifying yourself because of the shame or the pushback or whatever, be bold and saying, yes, this happened to me. And this is why you should happen. You know, no one can minister to someone um, that, that uh, you know, uh, oh my goodness, has financial problems than someone that has gone bankrupt and then rebuilt their life. You are God's inside man to that Jericho in our community, just like Rahab was God's inside man um, for the Israelite people. So um, that was actually one of my uh, most favorite um, chapters in the book. I want to read this excerpt. I, I, I say, for too long. I believed I was an outsider, restricted to the sidelines. 
while the really righteous people did ministry. Because uh, if you know anything about my story, I had a deacon look at me and say, God will never use you if you get divorced. I didn't realize it was because of what I went through. I knew in a deeper way and I could minister on a deeper level. Up until then, I always looked at my abusive abuse and divorce as something I wished I could forget. Not one time did I view it as a way I was equipped to minister more effectively, especially those who went through something equally as devastating. I realized for the first time how God's allowance of those awful circumstances meant I understood what most don't. He took me as a woman on the inside of domestic violence and as someone rejected by the church and brought purpose forth from my places of pain, I was able to successfully minister to those who were still in it. Um, that's that chapter in a very, very small nutshell. Kate, I'm so glad that you um, brought that out. Kate, don't you think that more people should see their past as an opportunity to um, minister to people um, that have gone through the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, if you've been put through something like that, why not use the thing that Satan is trying to keep you from? You know, like he's trying to keep you from sharing that story. He's trying to keep you from from sharing your past with other people because he says it's too dirty. It's too dirty. Nobody wants to hear about, about stuff like that. But God says use it. Use it in a way to further my kingdom. I was talking to a girl last night about it, and she was like, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And then she opened up about her story. Mm. And we got to encourage each other in that way. And I was like, I'm here for you. Like, you can see it. I'm going to go. Like, I want to share my story now because you shared your story with me. So it's just a never-ending change. So, like, don't be afraid to do those things. You know, be bold in the name of Jesus and say, this is where he saved me from. I was saved from this. Mm. So I just think that, yeah, people should be, uh, you know, like, well, share your story, share your story with people. That's that's why you went through it. Like, share how Jesus has changed your life. Yeah. You know? So that's, that's what I did. But um, That's amazing. Yeah. I think... Um, uh, there is nothing more powerful. I love it when people get up and they, that's why we do a lot of story uh, uh, driven um, uh, interviews and stuff like that on this show, because um, there's so many hurting people, especially right now that have bought the lie that they have to disqualify themselves from use. And it's interesting to me. Let me just let me just put it like this. Sometimes um, influencers in your life may fall subject to the temptation of Satan to tell you that you should disqualify yourself as well. I think that's something that I didn't write about in the book, but sometimes maybe a parent, um, maybe a church member, maybe someone that you respect might even be tempted or have told you like they told me, you, God will never use you. And I want to just counteract if that has ever been shared with you, if you've ever been hurt by the church, if you've ever been hurt by a mentor that just disqualified you because something that you did, that's not what the gospel says. He says, all have fallen short for, of the, uh, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. And that's why Jesus came. We all have an opportunity to be God's inside man. Kate, I think it's so interesting that we get a lot of messages and I know that you see them come through where people are like, you're so inspiring. You're so this, you're so that. And I'm thinking, you be inspiring. 
You be the inspiring person. You be the inspiring person to your circle. It's time for you to be inspiring to someone else. Don't just suck from someone else's inspiring story. You be the story that someone else is looking for. What do you think about that? I 100% agree with that because God has given me a passion to ignite other people's passions in themselves. You know, and so that's what I do. I'm like, you can be used. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like... You can share what you're passionate about, too. Like, that's what he wants. And so I I agree with that 100%. I want to just say something about this word used. God chooses us. Satan uses us. Okay? God chooses us in the midst of our sin to be a part of his greater story. Satan uses us for his evil kingdom and for his evil agenda. Some, we, I know we use the word use a lot, but God chooses us to do something great for him. Um, that word use sometimes have a, has a selfish negative context, and God is choosing us. It's even greater than being used. Satan is the one that kind of uses us for his ploy and for his evil schemes. Um, so I just wanted to bring that out as well. Kelsey and Kay, I couldn't love you more. I feel like I'm your mom. I, I probably have a thousand kids at this point. Um, but I, I I love both of you so much. You guys have ministered to me deeply. Um, so many different um, scenarios and just your encouragement today has meant the world. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Go pick up the book. Listeners out there, I am Rahab everywhere. Books are sold. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow right back here on The Autumn Miles Show. Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles Program is listener supported and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time for The Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.